Yo. Hey, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Congratulations. Um, married Harsh is in the building. Yep. Now I'm a married man. Sorry, girls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so how was it, man? It was good. It was very tiring. I was so exhausted by the end of the wedding in the sense that you see all these Christian weddings which last one day, right? Hindu weddings are not like that. Hindu weddings last five days. It's long, exhausting. You barely get to eat and you have to wear all these thick clothes. It was very tiring. And I took, I had to take a few days just to recover. Then I went on the honeymoon, which was also exhausting. So now I'm mm. getting back on track with business and what have you. And how long was the honeymoon? Seven to eight days. I think it was nine days. Yes. If you count the day I got back. I see. And the five days of the wedding, is that the same for all Hindu weddings? It depends. Some cultures, it take like 14 days. Some cultures take three days. Some cultures take one day. It really depends on where you're getting married and what caste community and what are you from, what customs they have. Mm -hmm. In mine, it takes from seven to five days. In some places, it might take up to two months. Two months of wedding? Yeah, there are no celebrations every single day, but it could be something like you have some function now, then you have one function, say, seven days from that day, then one seven days from that day. And the entire thing might take two months to complete. I see. Was there a certain event where they were throwing a bunch of colored powder? Uh, I think that is holy. That's a different festival. Okay, no, because during your wedding, I went to another wedding here, a Hindu wedding. And there was one event where they were just throwing a bunch of different colored stuff. And this wedding also lasted for four to five days. So I was curious about what the parallels were like. Was there a lot of yellow color involved? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's called haldi. Haldi? Yeah, it's turmeric and people will rub turmeric all over your body. I see. So nowadays, people just do the shortcut thing where it takes one day. But earlier, this function for Haldi would last seven days. Hmm. And what's up with all these other people that come? I mean, don't they have their own lives as well? Don't they have to go back to work? See, Indian culture is very different from Western culture. Western culture is much more work-oriented. Indian culture is much more society-oriented. In the sense that in Indian culture, you work so you can live. As opposed to in the West, it's somewhat the opposite where you live to work. Mm -hmm. So if someone in your family is getting married, you're supposed to go because it's your responsibility. And of course, someone you love is getting married. It's not an obligation or anything where, okay, you have your job and that's why you can't come. I mean, people will look down on you for saying that. Unless you are some very big businessman or something really important is going on. And if you're setting up a new company or something, yeah, then people will excuse you. But otherwise, people expect you to come, especially if you're a close relative. If you don't come, it will just consider a sign of disrespect or something like, you know, like you had a fight with the family and that person and that's why you're not showing up. It's, just, it's considered a sign that you're protesting something. Mm. I didn't show up to your wedding. I see. So hypothetically, what if there's four people having a wedding back to back to back to back and you're close to all of them? So you're supposed to just go to all four? 
that does not happen i mean if they are from different families that then it can happen in that case you pick the one that is in your family let's say three of your friends are getting married and one cousin brother is getting married then you go to the cousin brother's wedding mhm and that's considered acceptable you know if you have like a sister getting married and say a cousin getting married then you go to the sister's wedding i see and i guess if people are very close they know to coordinate it or this month or this week is my wedding so don't schedule it at the same time no 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 that doesn't happen that doesn't, that doesn't happen. happen because in india weddings the date of the wedding is not decided by the couple it's decided by the hindu calendar and these pandits who do some of their vedic mathematics and try to figure out the most auspicious date and time for you to get married mm-hmm. astrologers exactly astrologers personally i think it's bullshit but they do it and a lot of people believe in it so you mm-hmm. got to do it i see okay so since you're fresh off this event what was it like would you say this all this stuff is necessary or do you see this eventually being something of the past like these big weddings big weddings definitely something of the past um it's very expensive to get married big you get it right it's very very expensive you spent half a mil right um not me personally but the entire thing was half a mil contributed by both families um in my case it's a bit different in the sense that i got married to an extremely wealthy family like the, the girl is from an extremely wealthy family mm-hmm. so for them, a, no 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 <laughs> so it's like a it's a it's a extremely wealthy family by indian standards somewhat like the rothschild of india you could say mm-hmm. so half a mil was not a lot of money but in most cases half a million is a lot of money like someone like me half a mil is I mean, it's not nothing but it's not like i'm not going to go broke over it but it's still not nothing to me but mm-hmm. i didn't pay all of it you get it right the family both the families paid to get divided amongst the families right i see because they've been preparing for this moment exactly moreover you know half it doesn't like a rough 50 50 but you know the boy side gets like roughly half the expense the other side gets roughly half the expense and I me mean, it's not that big of a deal especially the family was really good we were happy with them etc and we've known them for quite a while it wasn't too big of an issue usually indian weddings are not as big and fat in the sense most indians don't make that much money they cannot spend so much money on a wedding mm-hmm. but typically people will spend about 1 to 2 years worth of their income on a wedding what about the ring do you guys have to get a ring nowadays yes but you don't have to it's not a part of indian culture but people have made it so where everybody wants to do the whole ring ceremony thing for pictures mhm you posted a picture like that didn't you yeah but it was a cheap ring <laughs> <laughs> i saw some of your followers roasting you for that I'm like dude I just got it for the picture I didn't even give a fuck about it like <laughs> you're like mom let me borrow one of your rings real quick <laughs> it's a worthless piece of diamond I mean it's a, jewelry is the ultimate form of wasting money especially diamonds mm-hmm. do you know that the jeweler also does not want to buy the diamond if you try to sell the diamond back he'll pay you literally nothing for it yeah and there's some metrics uh, apparently you're supposed to spend 6 or 7 paychecks for such bullshit. Yeah, so I'm like where are you putting these numbers from? Mm-hmm. There's one company called Debeers 
which controls about 99 or some ungodly high percentage. It's close to 99 percentage of the supply of diamonds in the world. See, earlier, diamonds used to be valuable because we did not have tools to dig deep in the earth. And back in those days, it would be rare to find a diamond because diamonds are not close to the surface. And, right. you know, they were rare, so they were valuable. But as we got better at making metals that can dig deeper, diamonds are found in abundance. They're found everywhere, not exactly everywhere, but they're found in such abundance that if the supply was to be loosened up, diamonds would be nearly worthless because there is just so much of them. So this company, DBS, every time there's a diamond mine or something find, you know, found, it just buys the entire property. This way they control the supply of diamonds and maintain the price of diamonds. And they also market diamonds in the sense that they will fund all these sitcoms where the girl is complaining about the size of her diamond or showing the diamond to her friend or what have you, mm-hmm. or running ads where diamond is like a sign of love. It lasts forever. Spend three months, check on a diamond. So you must really love me. Basically pushing out all these ideas into society to get women to want diamonds and to get men to pay for them. But it's yeah. really a huge con run by this one company that owns pretty much all of the world's supply of diamonds. So you're saying diamonds aren't that scarce? Diamonds aren't scarce at all. Not just that scarce. There's like a lot of diamond in the world. Whoa. If you start digging down below a certain level, the pressures are so high that there's diamond everywhere. Mm. See, I wouldn't have known that. So. I'm pretty sure the general public has no clue. So they think they're paying their money's worth for these tiny little rings. And there See, are... Mm-hmm. A diamond is just a tiny amount of carbon compressed into itself under pressure. I see. There so are certain... The deeper you go, the more mm-hmm. pressure there is and the more diamonds there are. So as you, get, as you dig deeper, there's like a fuck ton of diamonds because there's a ton of pressure. I see. Have you ever heard of a thing called cubic zirconia? No. Let me just make sure I'm pronounced correct. So this is imitation rings and diamonds. I recall there was this one girlfriend I had who kept dropping hints that she wanted me to buy her a ring for her birthday. And initially, I'm in college. I'm Googling diamond rings, and it's like 2,000, 3,000 bucks. Like, I can't afford this shit. So eventually, one day, I just let her know. I notice you keep dropping these hints, but I can't afford something like that. She's like, wait a minute, Armani, you didn't really think that I was trying to get you to buy me a real diamond ring, did you? I was like, then what am I supposed to buy you? And then she brought up the concept of cubic zirconia. And if you Google image it, it looks exactly like a regular ring and it's 50 bucks. So she wanted me to buy her that. And that's what I bought her. So uh, I'm actually... uh, Thinking, I mean, how easy is it to spot if something's cubic zirconia or diamonds, like actual diamonds? Probably not that difficult. I'm having a look at the pictures, and yeah, you can kind of tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So have you heard of lab-grown diamonds? Lab-grown diamonds? I have not. So, like I told you, a diamond is just carbon compressed under intense heat and pressure. Mm -hmm. You can do that in a lab. So you can just take a bunch of carbon and you can compress it and make a diamond. And the thing is that lab-made diamonds are diamonds, just like natural diamonds are. So you cannot tell 
you know tell you cannot tell them apart if i give you a bunch of diamonds half were lab lab made and half were you know quote unquote real or natural or what have you you could not tell the difference and no expert in the world can tell the difference because it's the same thing it's just a bunch of carbon that's been compressed under pressure mm. so nowadays you have a bunch of these companies popping up which sell lab made diamonds which are much cheaper than quote unquote real or natural or you know dubious diamonds Do you know how much a ring uh, would cost if it's lab grown? Yeah, maybe like one fifth. Let me have a look. One fifth, man. The whole thing with the diamonds, man, it really bugs me because it's such a waste of money. I mean, it's pretty oh. much you're buying a symbol. Yeah, it costs between sixty to eighty-five percent less than a natural diamond with identical carat weight and grades. So I could give you two diamonds, and they would be exactly the same. You could not tell the difference. Like even the most even the best diamond expert in the world could not tell the difference between a lab grown and natural diamond and the lab grown one would cost you like 85% less and this company devious has been panicking and they're really trying to come up with some technology to tell the difference between a real and a lab grown diamond oh, but they, no. can, they can't do that <laughs> because it's a fucking diamond it's just like a it's like a bunch of carbon that's been compressed there's no difference yeah it's mainly the story behind the diamond where if you go on any popular sitcoms if you talk to your wives friends it's the story behind it they all compare it they all say well my husband bought me this from this place and at times even if the wife doesn't notice if the diamond ring is fake or it's one of these lab grown ones others they get jealous if the ring is way bigger than their one and now they get their inner research on so there's a lot of cattiness behind the rings as well I think that happens through a lot of things that survive the test of time which diamonds mm-hmm. also do it kind of accumulates a story a lot of antiques are like that right where this painting was hung here then here then here then here and here like i have a painting in my house that's been around for so many years that it's gone through five houses i've been seeing it as a kid so it has some sentimental value to my family but to the rest of the world it's just a fucking painting it's not even that good it's like a hut it's a painting of a hut Mhm. I heard the Mona Lisa's like that where it looks very nice in these movies, but if you see it in real life, it's very small. I always thought it was huge. I haven't seen it though. Yeah, it's like A4 size or something. I have a friend um, on Twitter, his name is Jim O'Shaughnessy, and I remember him tweeting that uh, you know, the Mona Lisa is very very good in person, but on picture it just looks like another face. Mhm. So I I've heard the opposite view. Yeah, yeah, believe me, I don't think we're the type of people to enjoy art in the sense we're the type of people who actually do things and you know work hard. We're not the type of person who's going to be like, "Hey, oh, that's a good painting. I should own that painting. I should it go really and see me. that painting." Yeah, mm-hmm. it gives a fuck. It's a fucking painting. I could make that in a day with, you know, my printer. Dude, I went to a museum in New York one time. It was an art museum, and one of the signature pieces was a chair with a leg missing. I was like, "Wait a minute. This is art? This is literally a broken chair. Give me a hammer and I'll show you art." So, I'm not a big fan of a lot of these modern art. You know what art is really cool? Have you ever heard of Kintsugi? Let me google him. What's the name? Kintsugi. So it's not a him, it's a process. So whenever in Japan 
a vase or something breaks, it's rebuilt with gold. So the gold symbolizes that there's value in the cracks. And it's symbolic. So I like that. Kintsugi. Ah, I see. They look, they look very cool. Mm-hmm. That's an art saying something. But a lot of people nowadays, they just throw up trash and they're like, this is art. And if you have enough scale, some people will actually perceive a broken chair as art. They'll try to get their own subjective interpretation. I wonder what the artist was thinking. I mean, we too sit on chairs that are broken in life, don't we? And they'll just make up some sort of impression and deepen the value of that art. That's Kintsugi. Interesting. This looks cool. Mm-hmm. And they rebuild it with gold. So that's when the art actually does have value. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's symbolic. I mean, it shows that we strengthen through pain. Yeah, I would just rather have the gold if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not much of an art person at all, right? I like to look at it for some time, but I don't, it's not something that I care about deeply in the sense that I don't like plain things. If you take all these Soviet structures, which is plain looking buildings, I don't like that either. I do like all these beautiful buildings and what have you. So it's not like I'm, I hate art. It's something like that. No, I like beautiful things also. You see like a big, beautiful temple. I like it. It's pretty cool. You see a good, beautiful painting. Pretty cool. But I just don't think it deserves nearly as much importance as it seems to be getting. And mm. I don't mean all this ancient, difficult art. I don't mean, you know, these olden, you know, statues and what have you. But a lot of these random paintings and everything, just like in the modern world, I can make a very accurate picture of something with just my phone in five seconds. It's called like clicking a picture. And you're going to take six hours and draw it and it's not going to be as realistic. So what value does your skill have? Zero. Back in the day when cameras were not a thing, it had more value because you could capture scenes and things that, you know, otherwise would not be captured because cameras were not a thing. With cameras, your skill is now worthless. So now all you can do is make these abstract paintings which have some symbolic value or some shit. And I mean, it's not, it's not important. It doesn't add anything to the world, in my opinion. And that's my opinion on it. I, I would say that it's much better to say know how to fight than to know how to paint. I see. What about your girl? Is she into that sort of stuff? Not this one, not this one, not this wife. I mean, not my wife, but I've dated girls who were into art. And I mean, personally, I don't really know the difference in a sense. I, do, I could not spot the personality difference it should have bought. Mm-hmm. But all I can say is the previous woman, the, the g- girl who was really into art, she would draw these complex pieces and they looked good. Like they were really, really good. But she, it would take an entire day to draw something. Is it worth it? No. I could print that. I see. So are you into music? Because you could you I, could make music really quickly too, but people still will pay for that. See, I'm into consuming music as a way of, you know, getting motivated or hyped up or something like that. You know, if you're like in the gym and sometimes you play some music to get a bit more pumped up and what have you. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to make me listen to some instrumental by Mozart, I'm going to get bored. I see. 
Okay, so you you don't seem like much of a like the arts. That's a field. I mean, there's like I'm drama. I'm a practical person. A practical I like guy. to get things done. What about you? I'm a fan of art, man. I mean, I'm very similar to what you were like now, 15 years ago. Or 15 years ago, if you asked me, what do you think of art? I would say exactly what you're saying. That it's a complete waste of time. But recently, you know, I've been going to some museums. I've been listening to more different types of music. and i can understand its value in society where it sparks the yeah it sparks the imagination and i've noticed that it's a very good social activity to do whenever i'm going to a new spot one of the first things i look up is that are there any art museums or some sort of shows so nowadays i enjoy it more than i did 15 years ago now in terms of art though there is a bunch of bullshit out there like when i saw that broken chair for example i just felt angry because that chair i believe was worth a lot of money i was about to take a picture and a security guard came up and said hey sir please don't take a picture of the art I'm like what the heck what is this man this is bs and it's making everything look bad but certain times uh, there's a certain piece that'll move me and i'll say man this is good right here see i think that contemporary art which gets publicized a lot kind of takes up a lot of attention and makes all art seems seem cheap you know where there's like a red stripe and it's worth 5 million dollars mm-hmm. that's also contemporary art but i think that's kind of bullshit i do think that art which moves people significantly is extremely valuable for example like if you can make a big statue of a guy with a sword or something and it gets all the young people around you thinking about you know being strong and physically fit and what have you then it's worthwhile mhm so wouldn't you say that different... you do with blogging is an art form sort of but see that's what i meant it kind of it's like a very broad term when i say art is worthless i mean things like painting i don't mean things like writing or say cooking and all of these are useful skills but painting is what i when i say art without like any context i mean painting and painting is worthless after cameras have evolved i see even sculptures i mean you if you have that philosophy you could even extend that to sculptures where nowadays a 3d printer can create something very quickly but i wonder no the... no no 3d printers cannot 3d printers can well, create in the future like, plastic things in the future Small. i can see it i can see it evolving to a point where you just give it a, a big brick and it'll so do the subtractive technology to create something but so yeah that Michael, still exists there's like a yeah sculpture maker which can pierce marble and make very very beautiful things but michael angelo doing something like that if you look at his work i'm like wait a minute a human did that that looks freaking magical right there and that's the art that i would actually pay to see so i think a lot of it right now what it's coming down to is i'll pay for historical art because back then there wasn't that much technology so they had to actually use their hands and they had to uh, get their hands dirty to do it where i believe a lot of the art that we're cre- creating nowadays in 50 to 100 years people are going to perceive it i- in the way that they should see it's kind of like this i agree with you and to cor- further corroborate on your point i uh, last year i think i went to a place called hampi it's a small ancient city in india that that got destroyed 500 years ago and 5 600 years ago they had a lot of complicated technology for example in the city of ampi there was no fresh source of water 
So they had an aqueduct built from the nearby river and the aqueduct would channel drinking water all the way to the city. And nowadays, like if someone built a pipe from one place to the other, it would be like, okay, anyone can build a pipe. It's not a big deal. But back in those days to build an aqueduct, it's it's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. it's literally a piece of art. To be able to do that is an accomplishment of engineering and human critical thinking. Given the tools they had, it was very, very difficult. And I respect them for it. And it it, it was something that kind of made me think differently. It moved me in many ways. So you go back in history, then you find all these things which were hard to do back in those days. And that's respectable, including these sculptures and you know, a representation of their skill that they had. Today, if you are painting or making a sculpture, it's not as moving as it was back in the day, simply because it's easier to do with technology and the tools we have. Like we have, you know, machines which can polish things with incredible amounts of skill and what have you. So it's less of an accomplishment and it's less meaningful. I wonder what our version of art is. Since technology has improved so much, what's something that we could say, this is art and technology can't even touch it? I didn't get your question. I mean, you, you know how like back in those days, they didn't have that much technology. So what they were doing was difficult. But nowadays, mm-hmm. since we have so much technology, sculpting, painting and stuff, it's not that difficult. So I wonder what took its place. What's something that we're like, wow, this is difficult. Designing artificial intelligence algorithms, a lot of this, like, if, for, if, you take, if you take someone, if you take the invention of the first computer, the invention or the blueprints of the computer were made before the computer was built. Was it? Yes. It was built actually hundreds of years ago before the computer was built, I think. Not exactly hundreds, but let me find it. Mm-hmm. Let me find it first. CPU invented. You know what was, uh, while you're looking that up, what another thing was seen as an art, but now it's been perverted? Bodybuilding. Oh, that's because of drugs, right? Yeah, but before, like, did you see the old school bodybuilders? They look like statues, and there was some respect in that. But nowadays, these bodybuilders, no no offense, they look like freaks to me. I don't really get... Sort of. I don't really get why these guys get that big. Why can't they do the old school, like, Hercules look? Won't that move more products of whatever they're trying to sell? I've also noticed that being too bulky, I don't know about for you, but I feel really bloated and tired when I'm too bulky. I like the lean look a lot more nowadays, especially since I'm hitting my, I'm in my thirties. I like the lean look a lot better. I do prefer the lean look as well. I've been extremely bulked in the past. It's just not good for health. Are you still leaning up? No, I kind of got to extremely lean. I got down to 77. And over the past few months, I did like a slow bulk. But it was just me gaining slow amounts of fat and not as much muscle because I was so busy building a startup and getting married at the same time. Mm -hmm. One thing people don't talk about is how annoying it is whenever you change your body type and the impact that it has on the clothes. Okay, I can't find that year, but it was a long time before the computer was built. Go on. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I actually do believe that because there were a lot of calculations that were being done on logic that eventually laid down the blueprint for the computer. So yeah, I mean, the computer in many ways is a form of art, but whenever an art is accepted, it just becomes so ordinary or like whatever, but it is um, an innovation. But with the bodybuilding thing, man, one of the things that used to be seen as an art form was when you had this nice, aesthetically pleasing body. But nowadays, it seems as though more and more people are just very easy to take steroids. And I noticed, I believe um, Alexander Cortez actually made a post on this because he worked in the gym for a very long time. He said the older generation were somewhat hesitant to touch steroids in the beginning of their bodybuilding career. But the younger generation, they're way more accepting. And I wonder if it's because for our generation, things come really quickly. So they just want it to come very quickly from the very beginning. But it, I don't know, man. Bodybuilding, it doesn't look good to me like it once did. I agree with you. A lot of those guys look very, very freaky. But to answer, like here's my theory. If you grow up with a certain technology, you take it for granted in the sense that a lot of older people have a lot of trouble understanding computers, but someone who grew up around computers considers it natural. In the sense, when I grew up, I had computers around me and I don't think it was like a miracle for humanity to have invented them because I grew up with it. So for me, I took it for granted. The same thing as a kid, you see all these bodybuilders on TV and what have you, and you kind of accept that as a fact that exists. It's possible to do, and you need drugs to do it. And if other people can do these drugs and get this strong, and they're fine. That means these drugs must not be as risky as you might think. But someone who's older, they have, let's say, someone who's 50 years old. They have 50 years of life experience. So they can think, okay, so this guy's taking drugs now, but maybe 30 years later, he might not be fine. Mm -hmm. But you have to be old enough to be able to think 30 years beyond. Someone who's 20 thinks maybe 20 years beyond. And he's like, okay, guys have been taking drugs for 20 years. They're fine. I can take drugs. So there's a difference there. It's kind of like, you know how we as like you and I are probably going to be very hesitant to try out and get plugged into the VR lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But if it becomes very common, then kids of the future would be using it from, say, an early age. And for them, it would be completely normal. Or seeing people use it from an early age and not be as hesitant as us to try it. Yeah. And the gross version of this is um, Botox, lip fillers, plastic surgery, where one of my buddies, my fraternity brothers, he does the whole lip filler stuff. And he noticed that one thing that people come in for is uh, very simple. It's just a lip filler. So it doesn't require that much, just a couple of injections. But once they see the effect that it has on their look, now they're somewhat in that wheel where they just want to keep rotating it. Now they want to uh, inject their cheeks, their forehead, so they don't wrinkle as much. And the more that they get these micro little changes, the more that they're willing to do these big changes, like actual boob surgery. And eventually, a lot of these folks look so different than their initial self. And they're hearing from their partners, like, I love the way that you are, but they just don't buy it. And they're just on that hamster wheel, man. And it's a very sad thing. I've seen a lot of beautiful girls look like zombies because they abused plastic surgery. That's a big turnoff for me. I'm not a big 
plastic surgery fan. If a girl is natural, I think that's the ultimate flex nowadays. See, I think a little bit of plastic surgery can enhance your face significantly. I mean, if you have a fucked up nose and you get a rhinoplasty, you might look significantly better. And that's a fact. I mean, if you have some kind of really, you know, some some people have a very glaring issue on their face, like Mm -hmm. a big mole somewhere and you get that removed, it's going to up your looks by a lot. The problem with this stuff happens is when you get too much of it and you start looking like Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. He's a good example of that. Like, you look weird. There's a lot of these celebrities that look weird. I don't like the whole duck face thing that a lot of celebrities have. Like, what the fuck are you guys up to? Are you trying to kiss everybody? Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's what their face looks like at this point, man. I mean, it starts off with removing a mole. Yeah, but uh, guys are doing this now, too. Did you hear some guys are getting, like, ab surgery? That's weird. I don't know, man. As a guy, like, the only surgery I would ever get, I mean, that I can think of is if you have, like, a whole bunch of, you know, wrinkles or something, you get some Botox, like, a simple injection. I can understand that. But if you're getting, like, a full-blown surgery, having plastic fillers inserted into your abs, I think that's overkill. Just lose some fucking weight. You'll be fine. Dude, some people do that. They get fake teeth. They get hair plugs. I mean, they just become a different person. And... Yeah, I mean, you could get the change quick. You could look better. But I do think it showcases something in a person's psychology for them to even do something like that. The mole and stuff I could get, but my hesitancy with that is that it's sort of like, let's think of drugs for a second. It's sort of like someone starting off with a cigarette and then eventually just graduating to weed, to coke, and it just gets worse and worse for a lot of these folks. So if people have restraint, then that's one thing. But most of the folks that do plastic surgery often don't have that restraint. I get you, but sometimes it's necessary in the sense that if you take an example of a girl trying to get married, right? And she has a huge fucking mood on her face. Mm. If she gets that removed, her chances of getting married improve significantly. At least be getting married to a good guy. Because a lot of guys will just reject you for having a fucked up face. Just practical realities of life, you know? A girl has a huge mole right in the middle of her face. It's going to be not... She's not going to be as attractive to you, is she? No. No, she's not. Those kind of girls I could understand somewhat. My thing, the one I scratch my head on, is when the girl is already an 8 or a 9, and they're now pushing their luck. Hmm. I knew a girl that was, like, really attractive. Like, she, she was pretty hot. And then she wanted a boob surgery. I was like, come on, man. Like, you don't need a boob surgery. If you're flat-chested, then I could somewhat see it. And even if you're flat-chested, I don't think that's enough to get the boob surgery. If it's the situation you're mentioning where she's getting turned down left and right and it's severely impacting her life, then I could see a case being made for that. But if you're just trying to get it as a recreational stuff, even though you look good, I wouldn't recommend that. I, I wouldn't... If I have daughters, I would tell my daughters, yo, be very wary of that kind of stuff. It's a mental disease. I'm telling you, it's completely a mental disease where you are so, you know, you you become very insecure where even though you're good looking, mm-hmm. you start thinking that you look like shit and you need all these surgeries to look better. A lot of good pe- good looking yeah. girls don't actually realize they're good looking. I mean, they have an intuitive sense, but they're also very insecure. 
I'm I'm sure you've noticed it. I mean, you can sleep with Money a lot pass. of beautiful girls easily if you can nag them properly. You know, make them feel super insecure. They'll sleep with you for approval. Not that difficult to do at all. Like a lot of guys do this. Girls have a lot of insecurities going on, and a lot of these media people exploit that. If you talk to a lot of attractive girls, they had one to five years where they were really ugly, and that's when their personality was being developed. I mean, whether we're aware of it or not. a lot of our childhood influences the adulthood and a lot of these super attractive girls were very ugly during that impressionable stage and once they're attractive they're thinking that they're going to get a lot of opportunities which they do they get a lot of pretty privilege but at the same time they often get marginalized as well where if a girl is very attractive we're not immediately going to think that she's smart too even if she's smart a lot of people are just going to be like um oh, you know she got here because of her looks so a lot of them have that self-conscious attitude despite being hot because it opens up a boatload of other problems i recall dude uh, are you like a pretty good looking guy i mean no homo like would you say you're like a top 5% looking guy i would say i'm an 8 out of 10 i with top 5% i don't No, I probably in India easily because I'm fair, and in India, mm-hmm. fair is kind of considered to be good looking. But say somewhere in Europe, but everyone's fair. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, within your community, you're you're pretty good looking. Did you ever have a moment where someone said, "Whoa, you're a lot smarter than I thought"? No, no. Okay, that's happened to me before. Where in college, some, like a pretty attractive girl, we're talking. She's like, "Whoa, you're a lot smarter than I thought." Like, wait a minute! You thought I was dumb? She's like, yeah, I thought you were just like with one of these big muscle head dudes. Bodybuilders go through that too. Where a lot of bodybuilders, when you look at them, they're initially just perceived as dumb, but a lot of them are smart, man, because they have to understand basic science on how muscle synthesis and stuff works. But a lot of them are viewed as dumb. I've noticed that if you talk eloquently, then people just assume you to be smart, even if you're dumb. Like sometimes I just don't know anything about a topic, but I can if I talk if I know the basics and I talk eloquently about it people just assume I know a lot about it and it's a little insane how what's the word for it how quickly someone assumes you know a lot about a topic and that's why I never I never on LMM I never talk about something I know nothing about I only talk about things I know about because i realize how easy it is for me to sound like i know a lot about something and give bad advice so i stick to things i know about so you talk about something like you know flying a plane that i know nothing about i'll probably be silent on it mhm has there ever been a time where people assume something about you that wasn't true a lot of people assume i'm 45 45 <laughs> and a lot of people assume that you're introverted right A lot of people assume that, but I suppose that sort of people assume of all writers. Mm-hmm. In the sense, if did, you're good at writing, you must be introverted. Did you ever have an introverted stage? No, never. I mean, maybe when I was very young, but I've always been extremely, extremely extroverted. Like I've been be off the charts extroverted my entire life. Do you know a lot of men who are extroverted? It's not rare but it's not super common either. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's your dad like? Is he extroverted? Very extroverted. Very very. My mom dad everyone's very extroverted. Except really? my brother. Yeah. I see your brother's more introverted. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think an extrovert and an introvert can be a couple? Sort of. I mean, see, in girls, you, I would prefer a more introverted woman than a more extroverted woman. Because extroverted women take more time. It's not worth the hassle usually. <laughs> but you don't want her to be super introverted where it's not fun to go out with her. You get it? Right. Is your girl introverted, extroverted? Somewhere in the middle, I would say. Ambiverted. I would say anyone that knows me, they know me as an ambivert. So I have a blend of an extrovert and an introvert tendency. Elaborate. So there are certain moments where I'm like very extroverted. So if it's in the right circumstance, situation, I'm pretty much just going out a lot, socializing. If it's a wedding uh, that I'm traveling to with close friends, then I'm down to be extroverted with them. But other times when I'm chilling with certain crews, like I really need to recharge right after. So I also come in different stages. Like when I'm trying to be really productive, I'm way more introverted where I'm not going to a lot of these social events. And if I do, it's going to be rare. But when I'm getting the productive aspects of my life taken care of, that's when I could be more extroverted. So anyone that knows me, they'll be like, man, I don't know if you're an extrovert or an introvert. And there is that middle ground territory, which is known as an ambivert. I think more extroverts should understand the life of an introvert and vice versa, where both sides make a lot of excuses, I've noticed, where extroverts will say stuff like, well, I can't possibly sit down and meditate because I'm an extrovert. And an introvert will often say stuff like, well, I've been in this event for long enough. I must leave because I am an introvert. So I think it's important to understand the other's side and try to reach that ambivert territory. You've never heard of ambivert, have you? I don't think so. I agree with you, though. I will say that if you're doing something because you're an extrovert or because you're an introvert, in the sense, I'm not going to talk to anyone because I'm an introvert, then you're kind of, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where... Because I'm an introvert, I'm not going to talk to anyone. And I, I don't talk to anyone since I'm an introvert. It's like a circle. Did you notice a lot of people become more introverted as they grow up? Not really. I do notice that a lot of people, they don't have as much of an interest in socializing as they grow up because their social circles become more defined. Mm-hmm. But that isn't the same as becoming more introverted. It's just, you know, you already have a bunch of friends and you hang out with them. Sort of mm-hmm. introvert. That's just like a guy who's, you know, he has as much social interaction as he needs to have. I see. So from my experience, Harsh, what I've noticed is that a lot of people, by the time they're hitting their 30s to 40s to 50s, they're becoming more introverted, especially once they're having a family, uh, kids, etc. And I noticed that a lot of introverts will say stuff like, I want to be more extroverted. What do I do? But I never hear an extrovert say, I want to be more introverted. What do I do? So the hey, way why that, would you want to be more introverted? That sucks. Right? So the way that <laughs> I... <laughs> so for my observations, what I've noticed is that introverts who are trying to become more extroverted, it's like them trying to roll a big rock up the mountain. While on the flip side, extroverts who become more introverted over time, it's like a rock rolling down a mountain. It just becomes very natural. I kid you not, bro. There are plenty of folks I've seen within the past couple of years who are like, 
man, I used to be so much more extroverted in my 20s. But ever since I got married and had kids, I'm way more introverted now. It's like their personality changed. No, I think a lot of people just lose energy in the sense that I'll, I'll tell you an example. I'm extremely extroverted, but if I'm very exhausted, I just I'm not as interested in being social. To give you an example, like a proper example, if I'm trekking, right? I might go trekking with a group of people I don't know. It, it, they might be strangers. And on the way to the trek, I might be very social with them, but on the way back where I'm extremely exhausted, I'm like I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just going to get some sleep. Fuck mm-hmm. you guys for making so much noise. <laughs> I'm sleeping. So I think that a lot of guys who get married have kids. They have so much energy being drained. They're not sleeping as much, or they have so much going on in their lives. Maybe money issues or what have you, what have you. They don't have as much energy to be ultra extroverted as they used to have. The testosterone levels and the mental capacity. Mm. Moreover, they're already fulfilling a lot of their social interaction needs with their kids and wife. etc that they don't need to go out and talk to other people for example if you live alone you have a much stronger need for socialization because you don't get any at your home but if you live with say a wife and two kids and you're so- constantly socializing with them so you don't need as much socialization outside the house i see that makes sense i don't know if it's just a physical thing though i do think it's also a mental thing where if hypothetically let's say they have a week where they do have a lot of energy let's say their kids are out a lot of them are going to like let's say socialize for a little bit but then they need to recharge their battery and then they'll go home where people when they think of introverts they think someone who's antisocial shy or socially awkward when people think of extroverts they think it's someone who's very charismatic but that's not really the case if you actually look at what an extrovert and introvert is it really comes down to energy levels do you need do you gain more energy when you're around people or do you need to recharge after hanging with people so a lot of folks harsh a lot that are very charismatic if you keep pressing them and you ask them yo what kind of person are you a lot of charismatic folks are actually introverted and the opposite is also true where i've seen a lot of shy folks that are extroverted so i just wanted to clear up that misconception where people automatically think extroverted people are charismatic and introverted people are socially awkward See, I can tell you that in my younger years, I was very extroverted, but I was also very socially awkward in the sense that back when I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I hadn't learned that other people's feelings matter to them in the sense that I just didn't consider them, mm-hmm. and I I would just say things to your face. I would offend you a lot, but I was still very extroverted. So I would go about doing this to everybody, and you know, I would make a lot of enemies. Like, please sense, be more introverted. <laughs> 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 so you know you learn these things with time you know what is something you should say what is something you should not say what is something you should say in a mild way what is something you should not say in a mild way all of mm-hmm. these things you learn with time but i was like a socially inept extremely extroverted guy in my teenage years and I mean that exists it's different from you know just because you're extroverted does not make you charming or suave or smooth Mm-hmm. or doesn't give you good social skills it just means it's easy for you to talk to people without getting exhausted but i do think that being an extrovert if you are intelligent you will pick up the social skills fast because you just get more practice than introverts do in the sense if i'm interacting with 10 girls a day i'm going to become very good at talking to girls because i just do it so often 
Mm-hmm. Like I might go on to any girls by being rude to them or what have you, you know, saying something I shouldn't be saying. Like one time I just went up to a girl and said, you look super old. Like you look like you're 35. And she's like, pissed at me still. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that often. You know, you learn, you know, you're like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> I should try something else. That's true. That, so as an extrovert, you get a lot of chances to practice. You get better faster. But as an introvert, it's, you don't get as many chances. So you, you don't acquire as many social skills as you should have. Now, for me to cape for the introverts, one thing that I've noticed is that they're very great at observation skills. So from the limited social interactions they do have, they're capable of extracting a lot of wisdom from it. So the next time they go into a social interaction, they're, they're capable of adjusting better than a lot of extroverts I've noticed who just go from interaction to interaction without learning that much. Um, also, another thing with the introverts I've noticed is that they're better at being quiet at times. where a lot of times to build charisma you don't want to be talking too much in an interaction you got to be a little bit more quiet and ask questions and i notice introverts can do that a lot better than extroverts so that's just me keeping a little bit for the introverts right now for sure man that's that's visible in our podcast as well often our podcast is just me blabbing and blabbing and blabbing and you listening silently and me sometimes talking over it and what have you but i mean it works for us but it's kind of rude occasionally sometimes i realize that i have to stop myself from speaking okay let arman talk for a while yeah i mean with podcasting i guess it it does work because a lot of people that are tuning into this podcast i mean they're a lot of them want to see you because they often don't i mean i have over 1300 videos on youtube so i think a lot of people hear from me so when they're hearing life map money they're like whoa we're getting a different side to him because you're typically a writer. So this dynamic I don't think it hurts your likability factor at all. But if someone's doing that a lot in social interactions, then yeah, it, it could get annoying. Though. Yeah, in social interactions um it could hurt. And I've noticed harsh that couples do this a lot where and you may want to watch out man because you're a newly married man, but couples like I notice when they're interacting, one cuts off the other a lot. and i wonder if they talk about that behind the scenes have you seen that typically i mean i haven't been a couple long enough to comment but hasn't been a problem so far so bob iger's um you know who bob iger is the ceo of disney you have told me about him yeah so i read his autobiography one time and he said that whenever he goes to social events people literally just talk to him and they completely ignore his wife and every now and then bob is trying to get his wife involved in the interaction but they still completely ignore his wife and just talk to bob and that's when i learned that when you're a let's say a solo person talking to a couple there is a certain skill set because often we default to talking only to the person who's more established who we've known longer or who is the same sex as us but with couples like it's very important to keep both people engaged uh, otherwise it's just going to hurt your likability a lot you know i've noticed the same thing especially with handicapped people where a lot of handicapped people have functioning brains and can talk normally but mm-hmm. they can't walk or something so they have their you know son or whoever carry them around or you know in that wheelchair and typically people will ask you so how is he doing 
I'm like, dude, you can just ask that guy. Just ask him, bro. Just, dude, that's so fucking, fucking annoying, man. It's so <laughs> annoying, dude. Dude, for a while, so my brother is like, he used to be way bigger than me, right? And I was this shorter, skinnier version. So I felt that where I would go into interactions and folks would just talk to my brother. They would completely ignore me and they would even ask questions about me to my brother. They'll be like, yo, how much does your little brother weigh? I'm like, dude, you could just ask me, fucking bitch. It's still like, it's still ingrained in my memory, bro. There was this one time I went to the gym. <laughs> there was this one time I went to the gym, bro. And I was thinking about getting like this membership. Me and my brother go and this smug uh, gym guy comes up and he's supposed to be trying to sell both me and my brother on the membership. And the entire time, dude, he's just talking to my brother. Every now and then, I'm trying to insert myself into the conversation, but he just keeps talking to my brother. He's asking uh, my brother questions about me, all that shit. And eventually, I'm just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to try to talk to this guy anymore. What happens, <laughs> at, dude, what happens at the end is that we go to his um, office and he's going to try to sell us. And as he's about to sell us, he looks at me. And he's like, you don't say much, do you? And when he said that, dude, I was so pissed because he was going out of his way to edge me out of the conversation. And that's when I learned. <laughs> yeah, dude, bro, you you never had that, right? Because you're the older brother. I have never had that. <laughs> little bro no, little brothers can relate. Or when one brother's really big, the other one's very small, the small brother can relate. Or people do that by complete default. So that's a thing that is very rude in the social skills world where you want to make sure you're spreading your attention. Now, in public speaking, that shit's fine. Where let's say you're speaking to um, an audience of 50 people, you really need to just look at three people, uh, someone from the left, middle, and right. And let's say Tim is in the middle. If you just look at Tim from the middle side, everyone around him is going to think you're looking at them too. It's because there's more scale. But in social interactions, the scale is smaller, so it's easier to track the eyes. And that's why it's smart to make sure you're looking at people. And I see so many people ruin opportunities because they're just looking at one person and talking to them the entire time in a group setting. I agree with you. In fact, I've noticed this quite a bit where like, there's a hot chick and there's like two, three of her friends. A lot of people will just talk to the hot chick. Like, even if they're not like trying to hit on them, it's like a bunch of friends, like five people meeting, two guys, three girls. Typically, the guys will just talk to the hot chick, literally just talk to the hot chick and ignore her friends. And sometimes I feel bad for the girls who are not as hot. <laughs> I mean, <they laughs> That's why it's smart to... to talk to the friends because the friends can, because the hot girls used to it. But if you talk to the friends, now the hot girls like, well, why isn't he talking to me it's so much? The thing is that even then, it's about the hot girl. You know, you're talking to it the is. friends because mm -hmm. it <laughs> the is. The, are that. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger girls at times, if you win them over, then it's easier to get the hot girl because the big girl will hype you up. The thing is that even in that, everything, everything about this is about the hot girl. It's, the, the end goal is the hot girl. You're talking yeah. to the ugly bitches for the hot girl. <laughs> the thing is that just because they're ugly doesn't mean they're not worth talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, if people are going to a club, dude. I mean, most people are just trying to get laid. So there's... I don't even mean going to a club. I mean, in a regular scenario, five people, five friends meeting up. There's one super hot chick and two, like one slightly fluff out, one looks average. People will, men will usually just talk to the hot chick and, you know, just, you know, give a slight, slight glance to the uglier ones. You know, they won't actually make conversation with the others. They just talk to the hot chick. Or they, they will naturally that. make the hot chick the leader of the girl club. And anything girl related is spoken to with the hot chick. So the hot chick ends up monopolizing the conversation. Mm-hmm. And the other girls hate that. Man, you seem like you have a lot of insight in regards to this, Harsh. <laughs> well, I did have a friend who complained a lot about this. So I'm like, wait a minute, let me observe that. Does that really happen? And then I'm like, I spot myself doing it. I'm like, only talking to the hot chick. Do you let have a lot of friends your... that are girls? I have a lot of friends that are girls, yes. Oh, so you think men and women can be friends? Superficially. In the sense, if like, you if you say friends in the sense that you're deep friends with someone, that can happen if you don't think she's attractive at all. Like if you're repulsed by her or something, yeah, then that can happen. If you're not like super into this girl or you don't find her attractive at all, then it can happen. But typically, if you find the girl attractive, then it will not work out so well for you to get close to her. Mm. Are you because cool with your friends when you are you cool with your girl having guy friends? No. Mm. Okay. Why does she need guy friends? She has a husband. Is she cool with you having girlfriends? Yes. Well, see, here's my thing, man. I actually thought about this recently. I don't fully know if men and women can be friends. I do think they can be friends, but that's not the question that we're really asking. Whenever people ask the question, can men and women be friends? What they're really asking is, is it appropriate for my partner to be with the opposite sex uh, alone multiple times best friend or not and i think that is always risky so people need to watch out for that because if someone feels uncomfortable or let's say they don't want their partner chilling with the opposite sex even if they're childhood best friends whatever they're automatically labeled insecure where i don't think that's being insecure i think that's being smart being practical it's called being yeah. practical it's called being practical see it's like this if i'm married to a girl named sarah and i'm going out with a girl named ashley often so if i go out with a girl named ashley once she's my friend yeah sarah is like okay my wife is like okay it's fine she's a friend but mm-hmm. if i'm going out with her every weekend then it's like what the fuck you up to yeah especially alone if it's in a group setting whatever but if it's alone like you guys are chilling without any supervision we got to remember, there's a thing called biology. So um, this has been a very uh, like polarized topic as of late that's been getting debated about. But I think most people are missing the point because they're asking the wrong question. They're just asking the question, can men and women be friends? But the real question is, is it appropriate for your partner to be with the opposite sex alone for multiple interactions, best friend or not? That's what should really be asked. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if I start go out going out with some girl repeatedly, then my wife has the right to object. She's like, what the fuck you up to? Like, what why are you, are you doing to? that? I don't know if girls have a version of this, but guys, there's a thing called an orbiter. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's some guy who really wants to fuck this girl, but is going the friendship route and the girl has a boyfriend. So at some point she's going to break up and then I'm going to try to fuck this girl. 
he's playing the long-term game. And people know the Orbiter if they're a man with a lot of experience with the opposite sex or they're very attractive women. Because men with a lot of experience with opposite sex, they often trade notes with one another. So they'll be with uh, their boys and they'll be like, hey, man, you should stand like this instead of standing like that. Because when you stand like that, you're scaring the girl. Right? We're all trading notes. And within this group, there's always this one guy who doesn't say much. And we're like, hey, man, you've been chilling with Ashley for a while. What are you trying to do with her? And he's just like, well, I'm playing the long-term game. So he's trying to sleep with her. But I'm like, wait a minute. Is Ashley aware that you're trying to smash her? He's like, no, 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 man. Ashley thinks that we're just friends. And these guys will spend at least 10 years just playing the long-term game, right? And then imagine you're playing a long-term game for 10 years. Uh, you're thinking it's going to turn out a certain way in your mind. You're thinking, let's say you're the orbiter. You're thinking, Ashley will one day realize that she's with the wrong person and she's finally going to give me a chance. 10 years goes on by. And Ashley, the super attractive girl, is one day uh, just chilling with this orbiter. The orbiter goes in for a kiss. She turns him down. And just like that, his dream scenario has been wiped out. And a lot of attractive girls have a story where an orbiter went in for a kiss. They were swiftly denied. And now the orbiter just loses their shit. They literally flip on a switch and they're a completely different person. So men with a lot of experience have seen guys like this. And very attractive girls have had a moment where a friend was actually an orbiter. And an orbiter is just a nice guy plus the lust. Like they are not bold enough to tell you what they really want. So they're hiding their intentions. So it's very risky, man, for uh, letting your partner chill with the opposite sex one-on-one -on -one multiple times because it's just not good, man. You never know who's an orbiter. Exactly. It's like, I mean, you know, if you spend a lot of time with someone of the opposite sex, you are going to develop some feelings for them. It's just how humans are made wired. And why the fuck would you risk that? Even if you trust your partner, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. I think girls can be friends with guys more than guys can be friends with girls. I think so too, simply because a lot of guys are losers and the girl is never going to sleep with them, to be frank. Mm -hmm. But it depends on the guy also. I mean, if you take someone who is a little bold, you take someone like me, for example, if I like a girl, I will make it known I like you. I mean, I, I would not be friends with you. I would, I would look you in the eyes and be like, okay, you're hot. I want to go out with you. So someone like me is much more risky to be with than say someone who is very beta, who's not very clear with his actions, who will take the friendship route. Like, oh, we're just friends. We're just hanging out. There's nothing romantic going on. Mm -hmm. Where typically I've always been like, okay, I like it. If a girl is like, okay, we, we should be friends. I'm like, I don't want to be your friend. I have plenty of friends. I've said yeah. that to so many girls. Like, I have plenty of friends. We're not going to be friends. And it works out for me. I mean, I'm bold. If a girl is really not interested, she's not. If I move on. So it really depends on the type of guy she's going, going out with. For some guys, it's very, very safe. I mean, this guy is not the type of guy who's ever going to get laid with any girl. Versus some guys who are very bold who will take steps, you know, who are not just going to spend 10 years over some chick, you know, I'll maybe spend two dates, three dates. If nothing happens, I'll look, fuck it. Mm -hmm. So, 
It depends. It depends. I would I would say that, it, for example, like a guy like Andrew Tate, right? Probably not smart to send a girl out to meet him once alone, not even one time. Right. The thing with him, though, is that you get that you get that fiery personality from the get go. Where with an orbiter, you can never tell. You see what I'm saying? Where, um, and this is more uh, common than people think. Where. I mean, if you go on Reddit, a lot of folks are just saying, what the heck? My girl ended up cheating on me with her guy best friend. I never thought this would happen. So there are a lot of situations like this. So it's not as though this is just some rare occurrence that never happens. It happens a good amount to warrant a discussion. But most folks, they're like, oh, if you don't let your girl hang out with the opposite sex, then you're insecure. They just throw that phrase around. Oh, if that nilly. means I'm insecure, that means I'm insecure. I mean, if if the fact that I do not want my girl to hang out with guys alone makes me insecure, then I'm insecure. I accept it. Right. But it's not even insecure. It's actually very secure. You know, I would say one thing. Go on, go on. A way to really get these people to understand your side of the issue because a lot of people get very emotional in regards to this a very simple way is like role play with me harsh it's like do you think people can change and a lot of people will say well yeah i mean i've changed within the past six years so i think people can change then i bring in this gentleman named pablo i'm like you see pablo right here 17 years ago he robbed a bank and he was sentenced to prison and during his time in prison he turned his life over to god 17 years later, today, he claims to have changed. Do you believe him? And you're like, yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, go on. Right. Now, I say, all right, Harsh, I mean, you have a lot of money. And guess what? Pablo, he's a great money manager. Ironically, that's actually why he um, robbed the bank in the first place. He thought he could manage the money better than the bank. So let me ask you, Harsh, can you let Pablo manage your money? Now no. it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want a former felon to manage my money? Then I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you said people can change. And that's when it's, um, it shows you the difference between individual thinking versus mm. relational thinking. You see what I'm saying? So individually, if it's just a thought experiment, yes, I do think Pablo can change. I think people can change. But relational thinking is thinking that directly relates with me. And in that moment, I don't want Pablo, a former felon, touching my money. Likewise, individually, yes, I think men and women can be friends. But when it applies to me, I don't want my girl chilling with another guy one-on-one -on -one for multiple interactions. And that's when they start to click. Uh, they start to understand. They're like, oh, there's two types of thinking out there. There's a thought experiment thinking and direct firsthand experience thinking. And that's when a lot of people understand the other side rather than just throwing around the insecure label. See, I agree with all of that. But typically when someone calls you insecure, it's in your best interest to just say, I mean, I'm just insecure. <laughs> just I mean, it, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I'm insecure as fuck. What the fuck are you going to do about it? <laughs> I mean, see, the, the, being called insecure only hurts if you're trying to justify, no, I'm not insecure. This is... Okay, bitch, I'm insecure. What yeah. about it? My life, I, I can be insecure. <laughs> right. And I see where you're coming from.
Although to um, answer the main part mm-hmm. of the question, if you have to say allow your girl to go out alone with some guy, say a few times for say whatever reason, I I don't know why you would do that, but let's say you have to for some reason, I think you need to discern. Like even if you trust your girl a lot, right? It would make it. It's much safer to let say a guy go out with a girl. A, a girl go out with some guy who's some kind of nerdy guy who's wimpy, not very exciting, as opposed to someone who is significantly exciting or significantly popular or what have you. Because then, by in comparison, you don't seem as good. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, let's say you're a boring guy. For example, you're like a banker. You have a job. You make a lot of money, but you're a banker. You're boring. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people are like that. A lot of lawyers are also boring. It's a desk job. It pays well, but it's a desk job. But then you send your girl out on a date, or like say five times she goes out with some guy who's like a adventurer or some shit tourist, and he has all these experiences he's talking about with with your girl with. When she comes back. This guy, let's say he's gone, nothing happens. But what's going to happen? She's going to come back and say, the guys are out there traveling all these places, having all this fun, having all these adventures. And you're out here on your desk job. She's going to be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. A contrast has a... been created. Yeah, and then you're not as good because she's kind of tasted something else. So women will always have absurd demands of men. I mean, just providing for her is not enough for most women, especially in the, this world where they're exposed to so much excitement and so many things back in the day you could just keep a woman she would cook for you you would do the work and it would work but nowadays there are so much there's so much social media and what have you that she expects you to also provide a lot of excitement and fun and everything in her life a lot of emotions which is just not practically possible so are you like that what do like, you mean do, do you um have to entertain your girl a lot cuz i'm assuming she moved in at this point not particularly i'm extremely extroverted so i myself enjoy going out a lot and i like a lot of activities like trekking so for me it comes naturally in the sense that i'm always doing exciting shit because i like doing those things and the girl can just come along now gotcha so for me i don't need to do anything extra but i am an exception case in the sense i have the money and the businesses which allow me to live a life like this most people realistically cannot do that i mean I'm going to bet that 99% of people cannot just randomly go away for 5 days without telling anybody mm-hmm. except their mom and dad and family. Do they have jobs and everything and things they need to manage? I mean I'm in a very unique situation so my case is not it's not the average case. But in most cases guys tend to live people live boring lives simply because they have to earn they have to pay for things and what have you what have you. And if you expo- if you allow your girl to be exposed to a lot of the things which create expectations of a lot of excitement then you seem extremely boring in comparison she's watching a lot of reels with guys taking the girls out to say mountains and everything and you are sitting here working all day i mean she's going to be like other girls are having so much fun she's going to get that fomo thing and then the fomo you're yeah. going to be dis- she's going to be disappointed with you it's not something you wanted So you don't want her to go out with people who live this sort of life because you don't want her to be exposed to it. You don't want to create those expectations. Mm, I see. What's your thoughts on girls nights out? 
it's fine. I mean, girls going out with girls, what's the problem? It, it means not a club. you have to. Not in the club, no. No, okay, okay. no the, well, that's what's typically meant by girls' nights out. No, I mean, if, if she wants to go to go lunch at her with her friends or dinner with her friends, that's fine. I mean, even no, a but club when people talk about girl, girl nights out, dude, there's this big debate where some girls, they just want to go to a club and just dance. And that, that's a debate. Do you think that's okay or not? Even if they're not trying to get with anyone, they just go into the club and just dance. What's your thoughts on that? You haven't what heard that? Of club? I, I know what you're talking about. I just haven't been exposed. In the sense, I don't go clubbing that much, so I don't have a lot of practical experience with this. So, I mean, I want to say I don't have a lot of practical experience with girls telling me they want to go out and dance. Never happened to me yet. So I'm just intellectualizing it. How would I react? In, mm-hmm. you, you get it, right? It's not, yeah. unless something has happened to you, you don't really know how you would react. Mm-hmm. So in this situation, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know in the sense that if I trust the girl a lot and I've known her for a while, then I would probably be like, okay, you can do it. Just come back at X time or something like that. You know, be home by 9.30 or something. But if it's a girl I've been dating for two months and probably, I mean, I don't have an, if you, if you don't Sorry. date a girl a long time, if you dated her for like a month or two, you cannot actually say, don't do this, don't do that. You haven't like built up enough of authority over her life yet. Right. Yeah. So no, in that true. case, I'm like, do what you want to do. I mean, it's your life. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> there are certain things, man. Where, I mean, fuck uh, you for bringing up something like this. They want to go to a club. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, there are certain. There's a lot of changes in the dynamics nowadays with relationships where what one person considers normal, another person considers abnormal. And imagine everything is going well, but you guys have like this hard disagreement on something like girls' nights out. Where some relationships will end just because of that. I think that for things like this, right, these are not long-term super impactful. And I think that the woman should compromise in those situations. I mean, if her man is telling her not to do something, she shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Another example is, uh, I know you don't drink, but there are a lot of men that drink socially or at the end of the night, they'll have a beer. And their girl is hardcore against that. Where they're getting along with everything but just the alcohol thing it has to go and if you tell a guy that socially drinks or just drinks a beer at the end of the night to never drink again that's not an easy command and the chances of that easily being adopted is not guaranteed so that can cause a conflict as well from what i've noticed i can see that happening i think a lot of people like when I I don't drink right, mm-hmm. but when people drink, I can smell it in their breath. So if say a girl I'm with, or if my wife starts drinking and I start smelling alcohol in her breath, I'm gonna be super annoyed. Like what the fuck? I'm not gonna kiss you with that. So I can see the woman's perspective. I agree with this. In this case, some guy should listen to the woman. She is saying something that is smart and good for his health. He should acquiesce. I think the guy, I think a relationship dynamic should work like this, where the man has authority over the woman. If the guy is firm on something, then the woman should listen to him, even if she disagrees, because the man has authority over her. She is under his protection, 
and he is superior to her but if the woman is saying something the guy is it's his job to listen to it consider if it's right and wrong and right or wrong and then do what is right in this case the woman is saying you should stop drinking the guy should consider it think th- think it through and in this case it makes sense i mean drinking is a bad habit to waste of money so he should do what's right and stop drinking so i would side with the woman in this case but in most cases i would say that in a relationship the guy has to do what is right for the relationship whether or not the woman likes it but he should always consider the woman's opinion she shouldn't be like okay fuck it you're a woman i'm not going to listen to anything you have to say because you're a woman a lot of guys do that i don't think that's right but i don't think it's a 50-50 either i don't think just because a woman said it it should be done out of respect i don't think so i think her opinion should be considered but you should do what's right and ultimately what actually gets done should be what you want done because you have authority you're the male you are the one providing you are the more emotionally stable partner in this relationship she looks up to you she's a subordinate you do what's right for both of you just like how parents take care of their children you know my kid wants chocolate i'm not going to let it eat chocolate because it's getting fat but the kid is going to keep wanting chocolate but as a parent i have to stop him i have to make a decision that's best for him sometimes you have to make a decision that's best for the wife but you should still listen to your kids you know what is the kid saying where is it coming from same thing with your wife you should listen to what they have to say but then do what's right mm that's true i mean that's just with relationships in general where when a person is single it's very easy for them to live their life on their pace but whenever there's a relationship involved now there's a thing called compromise where certain things obviously you don't have to compromise but certain things it's tricky where i've seen situations bro where everything is going well but the alcohol thing just keeps coming back and you could replace alcohol with any nagging problem that just won't go away but it seems very easy for it to go away where it could you could even replace it with video games where one couple just thinks well, that's the stupidest thing a grown man should not be playing video games but the guy can say well it helps me unwind and get ready for the next day a lot of people have the same line of thinking with drinking a beer at the end of the night they're like i know like you could say like it's bad for the heart and stuff but i'm only just drinking one i'm drinking responsibly and it helps me loosen up after a hard days of work so i don't want to let this go and that's where compromising becomes very difficult because in a logical world both people are compromising but in the real world what often happens is one person is compromising a little bit more than the other person and that can build resentment over time and the person who's not compromising that much the thing that he's being asked to compromise on it's a big thing for him it's let's say it's moving to a different spot giving up alcohol forever giving up video games forever where he's just like no 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 i don't want to do it and now the relationship breaks apart so compromising is a topic i wish more people talk about because it's not something that people just do it, it seems sort of like an experimentation to do you know i think this is where having bigger families really helps in the sense that if you take indian families you have your mom dad and other people living with you so with shit like this it's not like you versus me right you can always consult with elders and what have you do what's best as opposed to it becoming like an ego issue sometimes yeah. you know 
the guy might be playing too many video games, smoking too much weed, smoking, drinking a lot. And he might have to give up all of these things. And it might be like he's compromising so much. But dude, you shouldn't be doing all of that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Or it What if it's not girl... too much though? What if it's just, um, it's like a bad, I want to say it's a bad habit, but it's just a habit that is done in responsible doses. Okay, let's say someone who drinks socially or what have you, what have you, right? Let's mm-hmm. say it's being done responsibly. Now, let's say the wife really, really doesn't like it. She's really against it. You know, she's one of those Puritans, like, oh, no one should be drinking alcohol. Someone like me, you know, someone like me, I'm really Puritan. No one should be drinking alcohol. It's a poison. Mm-hmm. So in this case, like when you're sick, if you live alone, you don't live with your family, there's no one around you, then it's going to create a lot of conflict because you guys will not reach an agreement. One guy is like a hard no and the other guy is like, I really need this to unwind and what have you. I really don't want to give it up and it's going to create feelings of resentment in at least one side. Either someone gives up their values or they, they get resentment. It's just, it's just how the situation is. But if you have elders around you, let's say there's like a mom, dad, no people present, then, you know, the problem can be taken to them and they come up with a solution and no one has resentment towards their mom and dad. Typically, you know, they made a decision. Okay, fine. So the, the mom and dad say, okay, you can't drink, but let's say, except say when you go out, but not at home or something like that. And then both of you accept it and the problem is solved. But how often does that happen? I mean, do they, I mean, I could see that happen a hundred years ago, but people still do that. It happens all the time. It, at least in India, it happens all the time. You know, where the, you guys actually listen. Yeah. People listen because, you know, it's a mom and dad. You got to listen. Yeah, man. But I haven't, Man, that's so unique. Well, technically, you guys are living at home, so that yeah. Makes in sense. the sense, for example, right? Like if if my wife really wants me to do something, I'm not doing it. She's she just mentioned casually to my family, like, "Oh, I was asking her to do this, but he's not doing it." What do you guys think? And like, if my family think it really should be done, or you know, I should change it, just tell me. You know, like, why are you bothering her? Like, you know, she wants it done. It makes sense to do it. She's right. Just acquiescence, or you know, just. Just be more flexible. On the other hand, if she's making a stupid demand, she like she, she, they will tell her like, okay, this is you're asking for too much. It's not like he will not like it a lot. And if you if you make these demands, he'll hold it against you. It's not in your favor. And she, they'll convince her that wanting this is not a good idea. So all of these things, it helps to have family around. You know, humans have not evolved to live alone or you know in groups of two. We've evolved to live in tribes and, you know, you could always take your issues to the tribe and everything. So I think the whole living alone in an apartment disconnected from the rest of the world is, it's a very modern thing that we did not evolve for and marriages did not evolve for. And when you live with your family, your marriage is much more stable, much more likely to stay because there's just more people around. In case of disagreements, it's much easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Do your in-laws' parents also stay with you? No, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, the girl the moves in with the guy. Gotcha. What if it's a situation where the parents are only taking their kids' side? Does that ever happen? Yeah, but in those cases, the parents are dumb, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of going to your parents to be the tiebreaker, I do see that working for some families, but I could see it easily getting not working as well where i haven't seen that dynamic nowadays where some people will casually bring it up but they don't make their parents 
decision on their marriage the final say on anything they'll they'll factor it in and if it's an emergency they factor sure. it obviously it's not like yeah a, it's not like a judge right you have to follow it but you factor it in right it kind of makes her case stronger your case stronger mm-hmm. and if you if you if you both love each other at least someone is like someone is being backed up by the parents as well then you kind of okay fine fine okay Easy. i'll do it or you know okay you get it right and like if also, i want something from the wife and yeah. my mom and dad are also like yeah you should do it the wife says, okay, she's gonna do it it's also good if the wife's or the husband's friend circle is good too because do you have tell it like it is friends who'll just tell you the truth not sugarcoat anything i have a lot of friends like that okay that's good because friends can make or break a relationship there's this guy named Tyrese let me see what his last name is one second Tyrese Gibson have you heard of him I have heard of Gibson guitars is it the same thing is it is it no. something he founded no. no so he's an actor and singer and he got married and the marriage was going pretty well out of the blue moon his wife wanted to divorce him and she came gunning for his money because he's a very wealthy man and she ended up divorcing him and getting a monthly payment recently she did an interview and she regrets that divorce because she said i shouldn't have divorced tyrese it just a lot of my friends got in my ear and kept telling me to divorce him a lot of the stuff that normal marriages go through i told my friends about it they blew it way out of proportion said i was being manipulated and i divorced him and i regret that So that clip went viral and it just showed that your partner's friend circle can always sneak into their ear. So you got to be very wary if your partner hangs out with these um misery loves company sort Feminist, of feminists. Yeah, yeah, you you really want to make sure that your partner is hanging out with good people who have her or his best interests at heart. In the sense for me it's very easy for me to make friends with people who are going to be like hey let's go out together let's go hook up with girls and then encourage me to sleep with someone very mm-hmm. very easy for me to do but if my wife is smart she's going to try to prevent that from happening and and if i'm smart i will prevent that from happening if you're getting in a relationship it's optimal if your partner's friend circles they're in relationships or they're in that stage where they're married having kids cuz they're in a completely different span right now so whenever you're going into like a tussle with your partner and they console um the friends the friends can actually give real practical advice they could say no 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 all marriages go through this stick it out versus someone who's super single going to girls nights out all of that they'll be like dumb that man come with me i actually need someone to drive me to the club exactly exactly mm-hmm. i think that you have a lot of these feminist type people if your girl is friends with them ask her to stop being friends with them or i mean she's not the one because those feminists if every relationship has some problems or the other show up every once in a while it's and it's just how humans are and the feminist advice is always this men are evil the woman is always right he hates you he's exploiting you you should leave that's that's the universal feminist advice every single feminist that's the advice they give you that you don't want your girl getting that advice during a time of crisis because it's bad advice all relationships have some problems every once in a while so you really want to make sure that your girl is away from these crazy ass feminist types and the way i always do it is like okay you're allowed to have friends 
but they have to be people who are winning at life not losing at life mhm because if you're around people who are losing at life you're going to start losing at life you are going to adopt their mindsets and you're going to get the same results they're getting and how do you evaluate that based on career or do you want them to be in relationships as well i mean as good what you want to do you want to have kids you want to be smart you want to run some kind of small business or something if a girl your friends with is not on the path to doing that say she's not she's not married she's 30 not married then why are you friends with her do you want to become like her no right so why are you friends with her hmm gotcha are are you happy with your current girls um friends oh yeah very happy so my current girl is from a small village in india in my hometown and that entire place my entire culture is extremely conservative even my indian standards it's extremely extremely conservative so i'm very very happy with this entire thing i'm very happy with the girl she's very very good she's very sweet very caring very intelligent takes care of me takes care of a lot of stuff around the house and having her has proven to be an asset at least so far mhm gotcha so i'm very happy with this thing and i'm i think she is as well so i i'm super happy with it but if i had married a girl from the city then i would have to be much more careful because back in my hometown right my culture kind of does a lot of the work for me where all the girls are extremely conservative so none of them believe in things like premarital sex dating and what have you so my girl has never never even dated before so i'm her first guy in her entire life but in the city you know every girl has been on dates with guys and everything her friends are dating it's it's much worse to marry a girl like that simply because she has a whole bunch of things to compare to and you know when you're comparing to a bunch of things then it's you know she's going to be unhappy about a few things happy about a few things and her friends are also like that you know she's much more likely to have more negative feminist friends who are going to misguide her and there's also this other factor where let's say you have five friends you get married but all the other four friends are going out on a bunch of dates with guys from tinder or what have you and you're at home taking care of you know the house or something and your friends are telling you hey i just went out with that guy this guy this guy was out here after a while you're like why the fuck am i married you know like i should be going on dates with guys from tinder because girls at a young age are not very good at being wise they're not wise they're just young girls so they don't think 10 15 years into the future they're like all my friends are having fun and i'm not having fun that means i'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. and that actually leads to a lot of divorces but if you take it from a long term perspective the girl who marries young and marries a good guy will have a much 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 happier life if you take the entire life than some chick who's fucking around in her 20s then she turns 28 then suddenly she tries to change find a guy sometimes she manages to find some charm sometimes she stays single forever i mean you get it right it's like destroying your life but having a lot of fun right in the beginning Mhm. Young 25, 22, 23 year old girls are not smart enough or not wise enough to see that. They are just they just see all my friends are having fun, they're going out on all these dates, meeting all these guys, they're doing all these things. And I'm married in in my house. So that is boring and my friends are having fun. That sucks. I mean, whenever we as human beings, we see a bunch of people doing something, it could even be a very boring task. 
suddenly it becomes appealing because a lot of other people are doing it. So if our friend group, for example, is going on dating apps and going on dates and stuff, we're immediately going to think, wow, this must be something very fun. But if you ask those friends, you pull them aside and you ask them, like, Yo, what's it like dating nowadays? Bro, such a freaking headache. So don't, um, this is just smart for people in general. Don't be fooled into doing a very poor task because multiple people are doing it. And trust me, when multiple people are doing it, that's when the FOMO aspect of our brain gets engaged. Where there are women, for example, in their 40s that are divorcing their husband so they could see what Tinder is about. And then they get on Tinder and they see a bunch of these creepy guys that are just trying to get laid. They're like, oh man, I left my husband for this. Oh no. And now it's too late. So it's very important that it's hard to, it, there's not a fix for it, man, where it's just a part of the brain where a lot of people just get drawn to the shiny object. That's why it's good if the friends are, you know, married or something like that, because now that seems like the cool thing. Mm -hmm. So if your girl hypothetically is the only one that's not married with kids, but all her friends are, the definition of cool is to get married and have kids. So this is a stable uh, situation versus all her friends are on dating apps. I think you have said something that's extremely wise and it's not just for your partner, but something you should follow as well. You will do much better if you're around fit people than if you're around fat people. You know, if you're around fit people, let's say you have 10 friends and they're all fit and you're fat, you're going to become fit. I will guarantee that. I will like write that on an affidavit and give this to you and be like, you are going to become fit just because all of your friends are fit. Because mm -hmm. you're going to get mocked endlessly for being fat. For or sure. you will be like, okay, everyone's fit. Everyone's lifting. You know, you, you talk to people. What are you doing? Hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to come back a few hours later. You hear that from everybody. You start thinking going to the gym is a very normal activity. Why am I not doing it? Yeah. If your you friend, hang out with, mm -hmm. yeah, go on. Well, your friends uh, control your psyche to a certain degree. Go ahead. If you hang out with fat people, the same thing happens, right? You hang out with fat people. Where are you going to hang out with the fat people at? At a restaurant. And what are the fat people ordering? They're ordering pizza. So, okay, let's say you are a fit person. You care about your health. And everyone's ordering pizza. And you're like, okay, I'm going to order the thin crust pizza. I mean, it's not healthy, but it's healthier than what these guys are eating. But you keep doing that over three months and suddenly you're also getting fat. It's just osmosis. The people you hang out with influence you significantly. And the same thing happens to your wife, your mother, your father, everybody. So, I mean, at some point, you cannot really manage another person that much. You cannot tell your wife, you can do this, you can do that. You cannot tell your husband, you do this, do that. You can be friends with X person, Y person. You just have to be smart and find someone who really, who thinks the same way as you do and they will self-manage. For example, my wife is not going to become friends with a loser feminist woman. She's just not the type of person to be friends with someone like that. I see. Are there any parts of your wife that you're thinking, uh-oh, can you say that? Or is she watching this? Probably she'll watch it. The, the big thing is that I need to get her to start eating meat. Meat is healthy. I see. Well, she most likely won't, right? Because she's Hindu. Yeah, she most likely won't. But let's see. I'm also Hindu, but I eat meat. I see. You'll never eat beef, right? No, never. 
never gotcha that's that's the only thing you draw a line on what about pork do you eat that oh yeah i like pork pork is good i just don't think it pork is that healthy because you know pigs eat a lot of random shit it's bound to end up in their flesh mhm are you still eating a couple of times a day right now i'm eating three times a day three times a day and you're cutting Right now I am just getting back so it's been 2 months since I went to the gym I was busy getting married and everything mm-hmm. so I just got back to the gym I think I'm going to cut for a few months you know get down to say 30 you know 12% body fat right now I'm at 20 I've gained weight I mean I did an entire I built an entire startup to $6000 MRR and got married so I had no time to do anything else I was just on my computer or you know talking to the girl or doing some wedding thing mm-hmm. So naturally I got fatter yeah and dance practice which was very How was that How was that did the dance come it out went well? really well It didn't it did 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 it did it it came out really well Did you record it Other people recorded it I did not I see Man, I'm still trying to get wrap my head around a 5-day wedding. I can see from your perspective it would be hard to get, but in well, India it's very normal to have a 5-10 day wedding. Well, that's what I went to. Um November 26th was when the 5-day wedding started for one of my really close friends. And even though he was close to me, Harsh, I'm like, "Bro, I'm not going to go to all 5 of the events. Tell me the one to two that I really need to be in. I'll show up to that." So he just said, "Make sure you're at the final event." so i showed up to that but his like family they were at all the events he married a, an asian girl so they had their own cultural aspect as well it was a big wedding it was at least 600 people hey first of all indians are asians as well so oh, i'm talking about chinese country. excuse me yes <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were going to bring that up um no she was chinese so they had their Chinese people have a certain cultural aspect to their wedding too and i believe their wedding goes for a couple of days how is it like i mean what was a chinese family like i'm interested is it like, are they like the stereotypes where they're like eating bats and weird shit or are they like no, regular people no no they came to us very early on so they're pretty much american they just look different but other than that they're pretty american the chinese themed wedding was in california the hindi styled wedding was in Tampa. So that's the one I went to. I feel like you remember wedding stuff. Mm-hmm. You remember like Kyle? St- Kyle Trouble. Go yeah. on. Go on, go on. I just feel like weddings, man. I think we're doing it wrong. I don't think we should do a wedding in the beginning of a marriage. I feel like we should do it 10 years into the marriage. Cuz what happens a lot of times is that people get into a marriage simply with wedding as the goal. But my thing is you should survive 10 years of marriage and then you are awarded a wedding it's very similar to a businessman who starts a business and throws this massive party with his investors money and the investors are like what the hell are you celebrating he's like didn't you hear i started a business it's like well, how about you throw this party 10 years into um you being successful in the business so i feel like weddings it should be moved 10 years into a successful marriage rather than starting off the marriage with it i see your perspective because you're a westerner right in your country it's common for marriages to fail mm-hmm. and you kind of expect the marriage to fail but in india and most places around the world where 
society is not as broken you don't expect the marriage to fail i mean it would be like a very rare thing to get a divorce or the marriage to fail so you would not need to think this way if you yeah, get it's just the it's just the principal thing though where what are you exactly celebrating in the beginning the set, the thing you're celebrating in the beginning is see it's like nowadays you have all these laws where okay a couple is married you get a certificate and everything but in the past you didn't have that it was just a societal thing so at what point does society accept these two people are married and let them live quietly and not like disrupt their marriage so this is like a function you do you promise to god and you have your entire religion and all that stuff also be an aspect where you know you make a vow to the fire god and this god and yeah, that god that that i think you should do in the beginning that's like the that's let's be real this whole wedding thing all the celebrations and stuff that's extra but what you're talking about is the actual thing that matters where you're where for muslims there's a thing called the nikah where you're officially doing it it's not the party it's just the official like you're talking in front of god and accepting that they're married that's what i'm saying you should do in the beginning i'm talking about the party stuff that should be 10 years in if you ask me that shouldn't just that shouldn't happen at all it's a total waste of cash but there's a lot of social considerations to take in as well mm-hmm. and then people come in and they're just like wow can you believe it harsh and harshina have been together for 10 years wow now they can celebrate something it's an idea i've been playing around with i like your idea but uh, trust me i think that this entire party thing is a total waste of cash in my village there was recently a wedding Mm-hmm. where I, i'm telling you this is what happened the the, the girl no with the guy goes to the girl's house to see the girl okay is this girl suitable for marriage or not they both like each other so they do the wedding on the spot and the guy just brings the girl home <laughs> <laughs> no one is invited nothing <laughs> they got married without even knowing they're going to get married that day like okay the guy is going to come and see me today i like him he likes me let's let me like let's do the entire process today which is like you know the the main thing like the nikah for muslims and the firas for hindus What's it called? Feras. Just, yeah, feras. You have to circle the fire four times, seven times, depending on your culture. Mm-hmm. And then you go home. Yeah. And that's when society recognizes that you're a married couple. And then here's the thing: if hypothetically you don't make it to the ten-year mark, then there is no big quarter-million-dollar wedding, and you saved yourself the money. But imagine you start off with a quarter-million-dollar wedding, and you guys get divorced in four years. You're never going to get that quarter million dollars back. I know you're not thinking like this because right now like divorce is like what like 2% in India. But 1%. in the future, well, 1%, yeah, but in the future, bro, I mean, don't underestimate what scale systems work like where you'll slowly see a lot of folks that only get married for the wedding, the party, but they don't really understand the responsibilities that it comes with. So, I could even see that happening in India and the East. No, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Indian weddings suck for the couple. It's extremely trust me the least enjoyable wedding in India is your wedding. I see. Well yeah, you guys have the whole party. <laughs> you, so, you never want to spend. That's a good the point. Least enjoyable thing you can do. <laughs> Dang. It's man. insanely exhausting and you barely get any sleep. So it's not fun. It's like a process that everybody just goes through. 
and by the end of it i don't even remember what i was doing i was doing what i was being told to do i just i was so sleepy i remember like the priest i'm 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 literally sleeping almost like and the guys look at me harsh you are supposed to repeat these things after me and he said that to me like two or three times because i just would fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> did you have to give a speech no man thankfully i was not awake enough to give a speech anywhere no thought okay um what else did you have to do besides the dance did you have to entertain did you have to no, talk no, no. to the people i didn't have to do anything except participate in the rituals which means sit here get a bunch of oil put on you then oil removed from you then do this do this do this it's like a whole bunch of things you don't really understand i see did you cry like, no why would did i you, cry did your girl cry i told her not to cry so she didn't cry she was very told her not why did you tell her not to cry <laughs> yeah because she's getting married it, I, Yeah a lot of girls typically cry at the end of the wedding because they have to leave their house but I told her not to cry because I wanted to be strong <laughs> Did her parents cry Not a not a lot because they were trying to support the girl they're like okay if we cry she's going to cry so they did try not to cry I mean they did cry but not as much Man I thought the mom would be breaking down Yeah the mom was the I mean of course I mean you know she's a mother she is going to have emotional issues with her girl going away but the thing is that at least in my opinion you want your wife to be strong and capable you don't want to you know a lot of these red pill people not exactly red pill people but a lot of these people on twitter they kind of they they want this bimbo wife who just takes orders and doesn't actually have a brain I don't think that's wise I think you want to have a strong capable woman who can do things by herself who you can you know give tasks to and she can complete them independently she doesn't need to be constantly taken care of you get it mm-hmm. like a lot of guys have like a lot of my friends and a lot of my relatives are married to women who can't do shit like they, these women can't do anything by themselves they always need the guy to do something and i'm like i don't want that to be my wife i want my wife to be able to do shit on her own so it doesn't like become like a i don't want her to be a liability i want her to be an asset i see and even if some wives even if you tell them to do something they haven't done stuff in so long that it becomes a they, participatory they don't know project. how to exactly yeah and then you know in the process of teaching her you're like i'm going to spend so much time teaching her how to do it i might as well just do it mhm it's so, like hiring an, a, a bad web developer Exactly. It's like hiring a bad web developer and I know that I can feel that because I've done that for the purpose pie and we had to fire her and she delayed a project by a month and a half. So fuck that bitch. Really? Yeah, What's that it? is a real story. Dang. That she has no idea how to do any web design. She was doing completely crazy shit and 90% of the time we were telling her exactly do this, do this and at at one point our main cto is the one dictating to her write this code if this then you know is it what the fuck is the point of having this web designer so we fired her mhm and i'm telling you this this web designer was so bad that she said i don't know how to test what i she would just push any code she wanted and then say like i'm not a tester dumb bitch i'm telling you she delayed her project by a month and it's my fault because i did not fire her sooner so completely my fault but still i'm pissed off about it 
how do you get connected with her twitter <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> Hey, for what it's worth, our current web designer is very good, and we also met him via Twitter. I see. It is one of the most annoying things when you hire someone. They're talking a big game. I could do this. I could do that. Trust me. And then once the money is given to them, suddenly their true nature comes out. It's so freaking annoying. Hey, for what it's worth, this chick refunded the money. That's good. Nowadays, man. so many brands their customer support sucks and whenever you're going through a crisis i mean that's when i'm not a big fan of decentralization or right now in amazon there's this big issue that's going on with certain books not making royalty payments and i've been working on this ticket right and there's always a new guy that is being assigned to my ticket So I'm over here explaining to hypothetically Timothy how uh, the problem is happening. I explained it in detail. This is a big issue Timothy. I hope you understand. Timothy's like, "Yes, I understand." And then the next day there's a lady named Susie who's assigned to my ticket. And then I explained to Susie, I'm like, "Susie, this is a big issue." And now Mary's about to clock in. So in customer support, I am not a big fan of decentralization. I want centralization. I want to know who i give the flowers to manager yeah you want I, an account I, manager i want an account manager I, i want to know who i give the flowers to once the ticket gets resolved and i know who gets blamed if the ticket doesn't because by the time the third lady gets on i'm fuming because the problem isn't resolved and we're not any closer to fixing it and it's just a big mess a lot of customer support places are like this now and when it rains it pours So I've had three issues with platforms in the same week. So I'm over here having to deal with these customer support agents and either it's too decentralized or they're too lackadaisical or they don't uh they take forever to respond back. They don't know their system. Different members are telling me different things. I'm like, "Dude, fix your damn customer support." Typically Amazon has very good customer support. Typically Yeah, at least as a buyer, you know, as a as seller, as a I've buyer. heard horror stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't treat their sellers with as much respect. Yeah, I mean, as a monopoly, where's the seller gonna go? Like, I'm not gonna sell on Amazon. Okay, bet your business is gonna close down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where's the seller gonna go? Yeah, so it's just it's really frustrating. So now you have to just keep playing phone tag or email tag with different folks, and like, bro, I got shit to do. We'll get this resolved ASAP. You know, if you tag them on Twitter and blast them, it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying wrote... it's like the most professional solution, but if you have like a, if you, a lot of brands don't give you proper customer support unless you take your issue public, and then mm-hmm. it becomes like a very fast thing to do. I actually wrote a thread today where I mentioned this issue, and Amazon immediately messaged me back. They're like, "We're really sorry that you've been dealing with this. Uh, please shoot us a DM." But the thing with Amazon is that it's a universe, right? There's so many different products. So to get to KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, that's a process in itself. So I'm connected with the right team. My only problem is how they're going about it. Where it's so freaking decentralized, where it's constantly a new person being assigned to the ticket. Where if it's just one person, they know the issue inside and out. when it's constantly a new person then they don't know 
and they don't understand the emotions associated with the unsolved issue. So this is a big problem. I hope more companies start to take their customer support seriously because it's important. It's just as important for the brand as anything else. So you need good customer support. Are you still doing that for Repurpose Pie? Are you still directly handling issues? Oh, yes. We are directly handling customer support ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it's best you figure out what the customer's issues are. For example, a lot of Indian customers cannot actually, you know, renew the payment automatically. And we got a few queries from that. And we found out the solution is to go somewhere. And, you know, every bank in India has a place now where you can pre-approve a payment. So you got to go there, log in, you know, put your debit card number inside it, and then pre-approve the payment so it doesn't get blocked every month. And we only found that out because I and, you know, all of us, we do the customer support ourselves and we're like, okay, we see a pattern. We need to find a solution for this. Otherwise, we're just going to keep getting fucked. But if we had, say, some customer support staff, the staff would ask us, what do I tell people when the card doesn't get charged? You know, mm -hmm. we would have just told the staff, just tell them, you know, contact your bank or something like that. And some generic answer. But because we were doing it ourselves, we found the solution. Some customer themselves told us, this is what I did, and now it's solved, and now we can tell that to every customer. Right. And the the workers don't see isolated incidents as connecting to a bigger picture, where a founder is capable of connecting the dots. The workers don't care as much. Mm -hmm. In the sense, you care about your business because it's your business, but the guy cares about it because he's being paid to do a certain task. He doesn't care about it as deeply as you do, typically. Mm -hmm. It is a big part of the brand, though, because one thing I've been noticing, Harsh, is how much engineering has changed within the past seven years. Where when I initially started my career as an engineer, most of it was manual where we were actually getting these electrodes and putting it into certain stuff, seeing if the wire worked, et cetera. But nowadays, engineering is pretty much just talking and clicking buttons. The buttons being clicked, it's actually activating processes that were done manually seven to 10 years ago. But nowadays, most of it is just talking and clicking buttons. So have you ever heard of Mark Andreessen? Yeah, he's a VC, right? That yeah. Some company, I forget his name, some numeric... Netscape company. or something. Yeah. Um, he had a quote, software is eating the world. But another parallel that I'm noticing nowadays is that soft skills is eating hard skills fields. So a lot of hard skills fields nowadays require more soft skills related stuff. Because engineering is literally just talking and clicking buttons now for a lot of these systems engineers that um, were physical before. I wonder if, um, do you, like you hire a lot of people, how much do you factor in their attitude uh, or do you just look for skills? No, attitude matters a lot. It matters a little bit more than skills actually because it's very easy to find highly skilled people who don't give a fuck. And mm. then they don't do a good job because they don't give a fuck. And yeah. most of the time, we're not hiring people to solve really complicated problems. We're hiring people to do simple things well. The Papa John's founder had a simple quote, hire for attitude, train for aptitude. 
I agree with that. I will agree with that. You need to hire people who want to work, who are intelligent and who have good work ethic and you can teach them what they need to learn. You cannot teach someone work ethic. It's very difficult. Mhm. That's true. Let me see. Look, we got some questions. Have you ever had the situation where you hired someone and the only problem they had was work ethic? Literally just that. There was no problem with the skill, just work ethic. Mhm. Plenty of times and that's what made me it changed my philosophy where I now wanted to factor in work ethic more and it's very difficult to discern for work ethic cuz you don't really know this person if you ask most people do you have work ethic 100% they're going to say yes so it's very difficult to test for work ethic from the very beginning every now and then it comes from a good referral source will say this guy i mean no he works hard he'll eventually figure it out if you give him some time so it comes from referral sources and other times you just hire them and see what type of work ethic they have but i have noticed that plenty of times where i'll hire someone but the only thing that's holding them back is themselves you know sometimes work ethic declines in people where when you hire them they have very high work ethic but six months later they don't it's managing people is far more complicated than managing a software believe me if you can automate something do it it's it's much easier to deal with software than to have to manage human employees it's just just a much better business thing yeah and that that pride and work has gone down a lot where a lot of folks that used to be pr- proud to do what they did nowadays there's not that same work ethic that's there i wonder why that is for you i mean you own your company so when you own something there's more investment I wonder how you inspire folks that don't have ownership in the company. You have to pay them well and you have to make it clear that if they don't work well, you will replace them. You don't want mm-hmm. to be the guy running a company where no one ever gets fired. You want to fire people who don't do well and you want to fire them publicly. Not exactly publicly, but you know it should be well known he did not perform well enough he was being lazy so he got fired what do you think of the quote hire slow fire fast it i have not gotten to the point where i need to hire slow same i hire pretty fast yeah i if i need someone i'll just hire someone I'll, if they don't if i don't like it i'll fire the guy i'll eventually find the right fit but for Like, I mean, with this experience with the web designer, for example, it delayed a project by a month and a half easily. So, if I was more cautious while hiring the person, maybe could be, maybe this could have been avoided. So, maybe there is some wisdom to that person saying. Mm-hmm. There's so many different management techniques out there. It's hard to discern what works, what doesn't, and that what that's what makes me. I, I was thinking about Steve Jobs's. biography and he was this mean guy and a lot of these guys that write management books they're like well Steve Jobs was a little too mean and if you read Elon Musk's new biography apparently he has that temper as well and a lot of the managers are saying well he's being too mean i wonder if you want to innovate if every now and then raising your voice is needed 
so in my experience right if you mm-hmm. are too mean too annoying to work with and you are not a guy like steve jobs or elon musk or someone who has a reputation for being able to accomplish extremely unique tasks mm-hmm. then being mean does not work in your favor because it makes people quit it, it kind of drives talent away from you but you're That's not true. a likable person people who are highly intelligent highly capable can go to many places and the place they will go to is away from you do you so, ever yell at your employees or type in a very aggressive way to them i will type in very direct ways sometimes it can be seen as aggressive but when i'm physically talking to them i do not yell at them gotcha. yelling at them see when you start yelling at someone you lose power right because you have lost control mm-hmm. and you don't want to do that you want to retain power at the end of the day you have the power you're the employer you can fire this person by yelling at them you are you are essentially losing all sense of proportion and control this is not your kid this is an employee you have to realize mm-hmm. that you cannot treat them like he's their daughter or son you cannot like scream at them this is i'm assuming you're dealing with intelligent skilled employees who have other options if you're dealing with some kind of peon then of course you can yell at them they're not mm-hmm. going to go anywhere do you ever yell at people outside of work no you're pretty calm not calm i can get angry but i will not yell at you like you will see you you can feel like i'm not happy with you but i will not yell at you same man i used to yell at people a lot more especially when the service was sloppy but nowadays i'm hesitant to yell because one thing is with armani talks my face is out there where that's not a big part of my decision making process but that is a small sliver of it another part is that when i yell at someone i just feel more hesitant to get the words out where i can still yell there have been times where i've still yelled but i don't do it as liberally as before i try to let them know that i'm getting fed up i'm like can we get this taken care of asap but i'm not as aggressive typically it does not pay to yell in the sense that if uh, at the end of the day if you're a customer you have certain options i'm not going to spend at your store i'm going to like refund you or something like that yelling doesn't solve the problem sometimes it does it sometimes it does make sense to yell you know sometimes the employees just being lazy you yell at them they they, they stop being lazy mm-hmm. or you know you're talking to some like let's say that you have a dispute at some restaurant and you start yelling then the restaurant is like okay fuck it this guy is not worth dealing with we'll just give him what he wants let him have the benefit mm-hmm. so sometimes it does pay off in those cases it might make sense to make some noise but i mean it just doesn't it just i think that you lose dignity by doing it yeah what's your thoughts on being passive aggressive if it works do it if it doesn't don't do it okay cuz my philosophy has shifted on this where before i thought now being passive aggressive it's worse than being aggressive but in practical experience i've noticed that being aggressive just rattles someone to a point where it's difficult for things to return back to normal but a lot of the times with being passive aggressive it actually does result in a behavioral change you need to be mindful of course cuz it's like playing with dynamite but something like the silent treatment i've seen it work better than you just like spazzing out on the person because the silent treatment makes someone alert but this is playing with fire because a lot of the times 
passive aggressive behavior, it's not even noticed. But if it is noticed, it's a good way to get what you want without making a big ruckus out of it. Exactly. You see, at the end of the day, all of these things are just tools to help you get what you want. Sometimes they work on some people and some people they don't. Mm-hmm. It's just you being wise enough to understand what is the right way or what is the right approach. Yeah, one of my uh, assistants, I was having him upload all my books to a brand new dis- distribution platform. And he was being very delayed and he wasn't giving me updates. So I said, all right, that's fine. So I didn't um, yell at him. I didn't chastise him. I decided to take the passive aggressive route. So I didn't, he finally came back and he messaged me, but I didn't respond back for three weeks, right? And now he's starting to think, oh no, did Armani hire someone else? He starts to write to me more on WhatsApp. I'm not responding back. He hits me up on Twitter, not responding back. Email, I'm not responding back. So now he's really thinking something is wrong. And by the third week and one day, I finally respond back. And now the message is heard loud and clear. Even though there was no message articulated out loud, he heard something. And within that week, he did the whole project. So it's a dynamite move, man. I think that passive aggression works much better with women because they're more sensitive to it. That is true. That is true. A lot of guys are just oblivious. It's like, oh, I guess he's just feeling quiet today. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, man. Let me read the questions. Um, so the first question, Harsh, this is for you. You excited for this? What is yep. Harsh's body count? I haven't killed anyone yet. <laughs> That's your answer? Yes. Body okay. count means, you know, like how many people you've killed, right? Now, how many people have you slept? No, with? no, 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 no. It means how many people you've killed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. So that's your response. They became us. We got someone named Arkaj Mali. I watch every single episode, pure gold. I want to meet Arman and Harsh Bhaiya one day, speaking it into existence. Awesome, man. Um, Pretty soon. Should, yeah, one of these days, it'll be cool to do, it'll be cool to do a meetup. Um, Okay, MK Board 4598. Amazing episode. It was a nice discussion on the kid working on the Dunkin' Donuts. Please discuss further how rich kids turned into spoiled brats and how to properly raise them. I believe it's from all the comfort they grew up with and the parents being so loose on them. Yeah, typically that is the reason. All the comfort you grew up with and the parents not being strict enough and not passing on a sense of reality to the kid. If you have a kid who grows up rich and the parents have very, you know, give the kid anything he wants, always tolerate the kid. The kid grows up thinking like he's Jesus 2.0. He always deserves anything he wants and he's better than other people. He doesn't realize that other people are just humans like him. He hasn't done anything yet to deserve entitlement. And like anything you have since you were born, you just take it for granted. Like, I take my ability to walk for granted, but when you see a handicapped person, you realize, okay, this is not something I should be taking for granted. And just Mm -hmm. like that, a kid who grows up with all these comforts and his parents always showering him with attention and love, and the kid says something and the kid gets it, that kid will not connect it to reality. He will assume this is how it's for everybody. I'm superior to anyone else. 
everyone listens to me and that's just how it is and if someone doesn't listen to the kid he's going to act bratty because he expects to be heard absolutely have you ever heard of the cobra effect no it's when good intentions lead to perverse results and there's a quote on that uh, the road to hell was paved with good intentions so a lot of spoiled people are born from the cobra effect where the parents have the good intention of protecting their child and making sure that child doesn't go through any pain so that's the good intention but it leads to exactly what you just said a spoiled individual because they don't know how to tackle pain so they start to get shielded from the world and here's the thing the mind is a problem solving machine and if it doesn't have any problems to solve it will create problems so a lot of these spoiled folks they turn into it's weird but a lot of spoiled folks who have so much money they steal they pickpocket for some reason um they do that um they do drugs uh they um uh, just spaz out on folks so um they become very weird when they're spoiled because the mind is still looking for a problem to solve so it doesn't matter if you have the good intention or not you got to make sure your kid is always doing something give them little projects and eventually teach them how to generate a thought and act on that thought to benefit others so i mean if it's a spoiled kid maybe you want to say look son i'm giving you um money for your chores whatever this friday you're in charge of treating the family to dinner now this forces the kid to use the thought faculties on someone else rather than himself and that's very important just letting the kid struggle and problem solve i agree I the main thing is that the kid should not be treated like he has achieved something the kid should not be treated like he's above other people and the kid should not the kid should have to face certain amounts of hardships she should have to work to get something and that's when he will understand the value of work and the fact that he isn't like the king of the world Mm-hmm. because he is in the king of the world and either you teach it to him or the people will yeah definitely well those were the questions my friend good episode um i'll let you get back to your wife likewise my friend it was a good episode good to speak with you again and this would be the last episode of the year for us probably going to be published in 2024 but we're recording it towards the end of 2023 So happy new year to you merry christmas or whatever else you guys celebrate hanukkah or what do you guys celebrate Well it's christmas but the big thing is going to be new years Okay uh, happy new year and see you guys in 2024 I hope you have a great year ahead All right guys take care